Welcome to the Navigating Cancer Together podcast. My name is Talaya Dendi. I am a 10-year cancer thriver, cancer doula, and owner of On the Other Side. I use my experience to help others get on the other side of cancer. This podcast is about sharing stories, resources, and information about all things related to cancer and wellness. I interview guests from all walks of life who are living with cancer, caregivers, and those who made it on the other side. Also, I talk with organizations, healthcare professionals, and experts in the health and wellness spaces who offer complimentary and integrative care. Join me. We are in this together. Hello, and welcome to Navigating Cancer Together. My name is Talia Dindi, and our very special guest today is Dr. Odell Glenn Jr. Boy, wait until you hear his story. He is actually the caregiver for both of his parents. Dr. Odell Glenn Jr. holds four degrees in various engineering disciplines, the latter of which include a doctorate in chemical engineering, He is an engineering instructor at a research university. Outside of his scholarly achievements, he serves as an ordained minister at an AME church. He is an author, a motivational speaker, a radio host personality, primary caregiver to both of his parents, and the founder of a and CEO of a nonprofit called the Three Tier Foundation, which provides SAT prep courses for high school students, financial education workshops for entrepreneurs and small businesses. And that organization also provides respite care for caregivers. His 13 plus year as a, uh, excuse me, caregiver prompted him to author Caregiving the Inspirational Manual. What an impressive background, Dr. Glenn. Thank you so much for joining us and welcome. Thank you, Talia, and thank you for having me on the show. I like to say all the time that to God be the glory for the brings that he has done. And I'm glad that I opened myself up to say yes to his will. Mm-hmm. So true. So true. And thank you for all the work that you do out in the community, as well as caring for your parents. And I just want to get started with that. Um what has been your everyday journey as a caregiver for over 14 years to both of your parents? Okay, so just to um, give a little background on the journey, I um, thank God I have I've had two parents, been married 60 plus years or so. And um, back in 2007, I pretty much noticed some things that wasn't didn't look right. They were both retired and independent, but it it seemed like at that point, they kind of needed my help. And so make a long story short, I just, my father was feeling it at first. He was really seeing, I was seeing the symptoms of him at first, even though my mom had some symptoms of dementia. And then he looked me right in the face and he said, I want you to take every, take over everything. It's almost like he knew something was going on. And he couldn't quite put his hand on it. And I saw some fear mm-hmm. in him that you normally, I normally never grew up seeing. And so that's my journey of being a caregiver, I'm going to say in 2007. 
Um, unfortunately, he did pass in, in 2018. And now my mom has what he had full blown. She's in her later stages. And so I was glad I jumped in at that point to become a full-time caregiver because, you know, dementia is nothing to shout about. It's a very dreadful disease. It could take you out any minute, but it could also be very steady throughout your life. And so if you're not careful, you can miss the signs of seeing someone with that disease. And, um, it was it was a very long, tedious journey because I gave up a lot of my things I wanted to do and some career aspirations I had, and I put them on hold until I worked my way around caregiving for two of them by myself. Mm-hmm. And so I just want to let people know that the everyday duty of a job of a caregiver, and I spilled it out in my book. It's bathing, it's showering, it is as the disease progresses, it becomes, they become more dependent on you. And they go from maybe 10% dependent, now all the way up to 100% dependent. So it's no cure for the disease, unfortunately, right now, but um, it could vary from person to person. And so, again, my dad had a progressive um, point of the disease and then my mom she was not behind it so it was looking after really two people that had the same disease as dementia but on different scales and juggling and figuring all that out to put each one on a different schedule plus maintain my sanity as becoming you know finishing up my doctorate and relocating all at the same time so it was a mixture I would say from 2007 to 2016, it was constant changing and learning and growing and adapting. And so to answer your question, Kalia, the job of a caregiver is never the same every single day. You have to have tough skin every single day to be able to maintain that. Because not only are you caregiving, you are a part of a team, a health team, a doctor's team, a dietitian's team, a nurse's team. And so you're getting calls every day because we're all trying to figure out how to best adapt the patient as the disease gets worse. And so maintaining all of that in a home and then in a daycare center, it's a, it's a lots of hats every single day. But I did it because I realized that my parents needed help. They helped raise a lot of people and kids and me and They've done a lot, and so it's it, it's worth the journey. It's worth the journey every single day. It, it's worth it so much that I'm willing to give back to minister to people that they can maintain it and keep alive as well um, through this book that I wrote called Caregiving the Inspirational Manual. So I know that was a lot, but it's just so much mm-hmm. that I could speak on on the everyday life of a journey. I, you can't really define it because it changes every day. Just know that you become a jack of all trades and it is worth it. At the end of the day, it is worth it. Unfortunately, I eulogize my 
father's funeral and it wasn't more like a funeral. It was a home going. I felt that peace because I gave my all mm -hmm. and I am still fighting that there will be a cure for dementia, Alzheimer's. And I believe I'm optimistic that there will be. Mm -hmm. Wow. Thank you for sharing your journey that you have been on for all of these years. And um, I'd like to say, I'm sorry to hear about the passing of your father. The one bright side, if, if you can say that, is that you were able to help take care of him until his, his last days. And I know that he appreciated that so much. And I'm sure that brought you guys closer together. Um, how are things going with your mother right now? Okay, so unlike my dad, unfortunately, towards the end, very end of his years, we had to actually put him in a nursing home because it was very difficult for me to bathe when his walking wasn't stable and it became a very dangerous situation. So mm -hmm. um, the last two years, he adapted extremely well in the nursing home. Myself and my mom at the time went and visited him every day. And so we knew he had the best of care. And I want to share that tidbit with someone out there in the audience. If you're going every single day, the nurses, the doctors, everybody begins to know you. You become a part of the community. That's a great thing because the care that you get is monitored, that he gets is monitored because it's expected from the care that we expect. And so it makes a huge difference if you have to put someone in a nursing home that you go there almost every other day or every single day. I was there every day. And so there were patients there that no one came to visit. And I was very, very upset with that. So I became, I went to see my dad, but I also went to see some of these other people. Yes, Families just throw there and never come. So that's a warning to somebody out there go visit because the level of care matches the family or the family members that come to visit. So just want to make that clear. And then the other thing is um, now that my mom is um, here, she is on a different scale because unlike any walking from, she does not have any, um, any um, arthritis and she can walk around. She jumps around, bumps around like a bunny rabbit with <laughs> children and everything. The only thing is her dementia. She has to be watched. Mm -hmm. And so in 2019, I saw some signs that told me that I can't leave her by herself. So yes. prior to that, I was able to go to work and come home and she would be home by herself and she mm -hmm. would projects around the house. So she was somewhat independent. In 2019, I had to make that shift because I saw changes. So I put her in a daycare center and then that worked well for me. It gave me peace mm -hmm. while I worked on my secular job. However, her attention span at the center was not long like my father was so i couldn't adapt the same mechanisms with her that i did with my dad right. and so it got to a point where they had to actually bring a caregiver home with her and um have her go there for a half day and so that worked well for a while and then the pandemic happened which yes. <laughs> is 
I wouldn't say was a bad thing for me being a caregiver because then I got to stay home. They they had the caregiver monitor her at home while I worked upstairs in my office. And that worked perfect for her. So because it worked so well, they now have taken her out of the daycare. And now they have a home attendant who is 40 hours with her during the week while I work. And so that adaptation worked extremely well for me. And even though COVID was bad, but I thought, I think it did work well for some people. And so it worked in my favor in my case, because I was able to watch what was going on, hear what was going on. I worked my um, employment and then she was very comfortable knowing that I was there in the house Mm -hmm. as well but she was receiving care. And so that is working even now. Great. And I don't know what tomorrow will bring, but at this point, that is where I am with her. So okay. she does have, she doesn't have any symptoms to be in a nursing home at this point. And not going to work. I pray it doesn't go that direction. But at this point, she's doing typically very well being home. So I say that if you're caring for people who have dementia, it's not the same for everyone. Everyone has a different strategy. And even though you have experiences with one, it may not work necessarily for another one, depending on the makeup of the situation. So one thing I do like about the system is that we have a dietitian, the nurse, the doctor, every. We all get together and sit and discuss like once every three months on the progression or the needs at that time. And so it is a community in which we bond together to make the decisions. The family caregiver is just as important on the team as the doctor and the nurse, if not more important, actually see the changes physically every single day. So the more eyes that's on them, the better you can make judgment calls on next steps. Oh and so in your question, I know that's so long. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's because I've been doing this so long and I'm yeah. monitoring. But at any rate, he's at the point where it's working well for her at home right, right. now. You know, as long as monitored and things are, are um, on a consistent basis, we can get, we're, we're, we're maintaining Great. Great. Now you mentioned a lot there. One thing that I want to um, ask you so that the audience can get some guidance and insight on this as well, because most of us at some point are probably going to be a caregiver for someone, our parents or another loved one, if we haven't already. Dr. Odell, Dr. Glenn, can you please tell us how you made the decision on what care facility you were going to put your father in and how you made the decision of who would help you care for your mother. What were some key things that you were looking for? Yes. Awesome question. When you need to help yourself and you need other resources, that is one of the hardest jobs to do to find the support system that will maintain the level of care that you expect and that you are actually doing yourself when no one else is around. 
And so with respect to the home care facility, I, I vividly remember going almost like a month, months and, and a year and deciding which facility would be the most optimal for my dad. I didn't want something that was too far away from where I lived because I knew that I would be visiting every single day um, there. And so it just so happened that the there was a community center, a nursing home not far from where we lived. I mean, really not that far that I looked at the ratings. I actually went inside, talked to the staff, talked to people outside, inside, and they all basically said the same thing that they received great care. Mm -hmm. And so talking with the doctors and the team, they also suggested that that would be the optimal place as well. And then having gone there every day, introducing myself to everyone on the staff, them getting to know me, they getting to know us, that helped make the journey that much lighter. So I must say that it does take work to research the best and the most optimal because you do want professionals who know the progression of the disease and, and, and able to spot and help and support, but you also want someone who, when you're not around, to be able to give them the care that they deserve and that you expect. Mm-hmm. In answer Thank to your you. question, yes, it does take a lot. And now with my mom, it just so happened, and again, it took a lot of prayer and it took mm-hmm. a lot of trust mm-hmm. and believing and faith but I do have two awesome, wonderful caregivers. I must say that when I'm working or I'm teaching at the university, I've adopted them as family because they love my work so much to the point they, when they're not working, they're jealous of each other because the other <laughs> one. And, and, and that's, that's the honest truth. But that's the love and support I see. And I couldn't have asked, and God has could not have blessed me with anything better. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. And like you said, that is a level of care that, you know, your mother and other people out there deserve. And so thank you for sharing that, because I think that is very important for people who have not had to take that step and find a place for their loved one uh, to receive care outside of their home. So that is going to be very helpful uh, for people out there listening. And One I just thing- want to add to that, yeah, add to that, that lots of people think, well, I will never, I will never. Mm-hmm. There, will come, <laughs> there will come a time when you need professional help with, with, your, with your loved one. For example, me bathing my father with um, leg problems and not being able to walk. There's a special skill that you have to have. And if you don't have that, it could cause more problems than what it really is. So mm. I'll never say never. If you research facilities that you know that are good for them, if you're there every single day, you will be pleasantly surprised and pleasantly pleased that these resources are there to help you. And so family members and people out there, you have to get rid of that pride to say never, 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 because you never know 
when it's going to come to a point where you cannot do it on your own and at the same time maintain sanity. At that point, it was me and my mom there. My mom was very frustrated because she couldn't help him that much. And then me, you know, I'm not a trained nurse to mm-hmm. be able to do certain things. Then I was writing my dissertation at the same time and all the expectations. So between the two of us at that point, it was just literally impossible to be able to um, give him the level of care that he needed. He probably needed someone a nurse or doctor in the house. And mm-hmm. at that point, it was just better for him to be in the nurse. And it worked out perfectly fine. So, you know, for those that are out there, you want to you want to do your research and your homework, but you also want to re- be realistic and use wisdom as well. Thank you so much for sharing that because that's a very important point. A lot of times in our communities, you know, it's looked down upon if you have to put your parent or another loved one in a facility to get care. It, but like you said, there's certain skill sets that they have that it, that someone like me or you, we just don't have um, to move a, a loved one in a particular way from, from a chair to the tub and to the bed and things like that. And so, um, I want to thank you so much for pointing that out because that is a huge stigma. Like sometimes people are looked down upon if they put their their parents or a loved one in a health in a facility or a long term care facility like that. So very important uh, point. And, and, other- and Talia, just to add to what you already mentioned, there's also another stigma when you're caring for someone. You have to have care for the caregiver as well. Yes, and yes. you also need to go and go to a, a counselor to talk, to let your expressions join the Alzheimer's Association, join caregiver supports. I did all of it. And I'm not telling you just to be talking. I'm telling you from experience. Those outlets help for you to understand. You know, my parents... Grew up, worked in the church and did everything for God and everybody else. And so I was like, what is this? You know, I actually had a little talk with God Mm -hmm. on it. You have to be able to express yourself and get the necessary resources. And and our people, Talia, sometimes don't realize there's resources for you to be able to process that. Mm -hmm. And so as time went on, I realized that You know, the joy is in the journey of the process. We are not going to understand everything on this side, but we're here to be witnesses and to show that these mountains can be removed. And so that's why I'm still fighting for cures for this disease. You know, I'm a scientist, but I'm also looking at various research and and looking at the latest and always marching or walking, doing the Alzheimer's Association for cures for these diseases and others like cancer Mm -hmm. and also um, Parkinson's disease. So I believe there is a cure. I'm a very optimistic person, but you have to realize that sometimes the journey that we on, sometimes we're, we have this, we're brainwashed to realize that we're, we came here in life just to smooth the road and not to 
be a witness for sometimes programs like your program Mm -hmm. um, to help build people. And that's where your calling and your gifting and your purpose comes through. So another thing I want to say is that even all of this, even through all of this, I found my purpose in life and my my calling became much more sharper through mm-hmm. this. Had I not gone through this, I don't know where I would have been. Though. I probably would have still been walking around not knowing what. But my calling and my and my purpose in life has become much sharper. And I wrote this book, really, it, as I was writing the book, it was helping me. But I didn't know that it would help so many others. Yes. A lot of times you go through to find your calling, to find your purpose. And then when you find it, it becomes an aha moment. It's not so much this, that, and the other. Because if you read the book of Job, he lost a lot, but then he found and gained a lot at the end because of the suffering that he went through. So, and God didn't promise us joy, peace, and cruise ships, but he did promise that he would be with us. And that is the joy that I get through the journey. So I lost nothing. I've gained everything. Mm-hmm. So much to unpack there, but you made a, a lot of great points. And that is, you know, sometimes you're going through these things and at the time you don't realize that it is revealing your purpose. And you've been able to do so many great things in addition to the work you've already done in your professional life, but you've been able to help so many other people. Um, in the process of of helping your parents and caring for them. And so I want to ask this question. You've mentioned a lot. You you have several degrees. You've written a book. You're, you're a minister. How were you able to juggle all of this? I know you mentioned, you know, um, you got help. You had someone come in and help you out at home with your mother. But what were some other ways that you were able to accomplish all these things while being a caregiver for both your parents? Focus, determination, and love. Mm -hmm. I couldn't have done all of this without the love I have for both of them. They're the cutest buttons and the sweetest buttons that I know. But (laughs) at any rate, it's also just love. And because they poured love into me, it, it was basically a no-brainer to not give back. Another um, thing is faith. My faith in God was very strong, even as a teenager. And that pulled that has pulled me through. I knew that God had special things for me to do. I never knew it would go down this path, but it's my faith which sustained me. And with all that said, you know, when I became the caregiver, I was in the midst of going full time for my doctorate anyway. And I got called at a lot of different universities, but Mm -hmm. moving, taking them and moving them to transition them to the South, it made me stay in the South here, which was the best decision because the University of South Carolina supported me. I mean, I'm still getting the support from them. And everything just fell into place. It really did. And so, like I said, you become disciplined. You know, there's no, there was no room for hanging out with friends and doing what I wanted to do. I had to be at home, which I still am. 
mm-hmm. and traveling everywhere and doing this, it keeps you focused. So when I'm sitting at home and I'm entertaining my parents and they are asleep or whatever, it tunnels your vision into driving yourself into your purpose. Mm-hmm. And so how I was able to do all of what I do is just being creative. I, I'm a very creative play person. I like to be in creative spaces. And I like when things are not the same every single day in the sense of getting things done. So I took I took what the disease brought and then incorporated into my everyday life to create the man that I am to be able to empower and inspire people. Mm-hmm. So I didn't stop. I didn't want to stop and just say, all right, I'll be, I'm a caregiver. I'm just going to care for my parents and forget about the calls and all the giftings that I have. And so mm-hmm. when I looked at it as a whole, I realized, whoa, all of this is really can be in synergy to each other. Yes. And I tried to make them all synergetic and bring them together. And now this, that's what's happening through my podcast, through my interviews, my, my experience in the classroom and definitely in my ministering in and out of church and in community and non nonprofits, bringing all of that experience to empower people to grow from other people and to build community. And so I I just, like I said, I didn't sit in college and plan all this. It just (laughs) happened that the universe came together and brought this. I I do remember praying several times, God, whatever you put me on this earth, let it be done. And I would pray that several times in my teenage and early 20s and 30s. And it felt very void then, but it's manifesting itself now. So for those that believe in the power of prayer, when you pray, it does manifest itself. And sometimes you have to build it and grow through it and have to see later on, but your prayers do become answered. So now that prayer, God used me. He is using me for glory. And I am very happy and content about it. Good, good. And I agree with what you said about prayer. I mean, you could be at your lowest point, but prayer can lift you up. You just have to believe. So thank you for sharing that. With everything that you've done, that you've been through over the years, have you experienced caregiver burnout? And if you have, how did you manage it and recharge? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Caregiver burnout. There are days and times when I'm like, I really need a break. I think about just going away. And every now and then, you know, I'll ask my caregiver, um, hey, I kind of need, I have a caregiver. I'm so blessed Mm -hmm. that she's 65. And I think she's been doing this for over 20, 25 years. So Mm -hmm. she understands. We can look each other in the eye and tell when. It's time. And so there are days and times where, you know, I'm a human being, not a machine. That I definitely need to sit and come apart and just relax and do nothing. And so, yes, I have experienced those times. But what sustained me was that when my parents look in my eyes, it's almost like, of course, they can't communicate. 
and I hope I don't get emotional now, but you do see that they appreciate that you're there because they're when you have late stage dementia, you're really living in a body mm-hmm. that you that is decaying, but your spirit lives. And I know that their spirit is living because they can see and they can remember things from a, from years ago, but and then they, they have emotions, they cry, they laugh. And so when I look in their eyes and I see that my value is there and that they appreciate the everyday things and they say thank you like that, it just makes my heart teary because um, that's the strength that's gotten me each day Mm -hmm. to continue the journey with them and see the smiles and the laughs and spend the time. But yes, in, in answer to your question, we all need some days and times where we need to recharge our batteries so that we can continue to give. And thanking God for the support system that I have built up over time that sustains me. There are people in my in my church and the churches that I associate with who've gone through that role. And so we can look in each other's eyes. <laughs> you <see>. know. <laughs> Here we are. <laughs> we can actually know what stage in the journey. Um, I'm actually working with someone now who's in the early, early stages, and I know that is phase one. So I'm working mm-hmm. with the person and the people to and the family to really say, okay, these are the next steps. Prepare. And so, like I said, you build up a community, and mm-hmm. those people that go through what you've gone through, they become so much more value to you. I have a cousin on my mother's side and a cousin on my father's side. They work with their parents. And so you, the community that you build is very important because it helps you get through and you can see, all right, the next stages, the next phases of that. So that's why you want to go to these support systems. You want to build up a community that empowers you during that time. Um, of transition. And so, yes, turnover burner can happen to anyone. But again, you can't, caregivers out there, you cannot lose yourself. You mm-hmm. have to sustain the journey. Again, I say it in my book go get a, go to the sauna, go to the beach, get a book, go get a massage, take care of yourself because they, they, there is this reality to Lana that. Some caregivers die before the care recipient. Yes, I've heard that. And if you don't do that, it could cause a problem. So I'm a living witness. Mm -hmm. I worked my way through my dissertation. I maintained my my employment status. Yes, it was difficult, but we worked out a schedule. I got my ordination. I didn't stop my life. I wrote a book. You can do the same thing. Try to maintain the balance and things will work out in your favor. And always pray. And that's God's wisdom. That's what you want to ask him for. His Mm -hmm. wisdom. Thank you so much for sharing that. And, you know, I hear often as well that once people enter into being a caregiver, their health starts to deplete as well. And so everything that you shared is so important and it's something that caregivers need to keep at the forefront 
is taking care of themselves so that so that they can continue to be there for their loved one and continue to be that caregiver. Um, because like you said, there are um, experiences where the caregiver goes before the person they're caring for because they didn't take the time for themselves. And exactly. I know that can be difficult to do, but you have to do it. Exactly, exactly. For the caregiver that's doing this 24 hours, seven days a week, 15 years plus, you know, 24 hours a day is not enough time. It really isn't. But you have to guard the time and maintain the time that you have. So therefore, you need your regular checkups. You need to go get your your dental appointments. You need to get your monthly blood pressure checked. You cannot do that on empty fuel. You can't be a caregiver on empty fuel. You have to maintain that. And that means saying no to some people and no to some things in order to maintain your holistic self. And it's okay to say no and move forward. But you have to realize at the end of the day, you don't do that. Who will? And yes. you're responsible for your own health as well. I love the way you said that, you know, you have to take care of yourself and it's okay to say no. So yes. very important. Thank you for everything that you've shared uh, with us today. You've given us a lot of great information and pointers. Before we end, I'd like to ask my guests these two questions. And the first one, Dr. Glenn, is what is something that you've learned in life that you would like to share with the audience? Oh, a lot of things. Um, <laughs> and like, you have to learn to take quiet time and hear the voice of God. Mm. And I like to tell people to take out a pen and a piece of paper and go somewhere quiet and then just begin to write the things that you hear God is saying to you for your purpose, because what you don't want to do is go through life not knowing your purpose and your destiny. And trust me, every time I've done that, since I was a child up to now, God has honored that. So taking quiet time for yourself to hear next steps and not hear the noise around you is very, very critical. I, I had to do that several times here with my moving and then which type of care and then God show me this person's heart show me this mm -hmm. other taking when you do that and faithfully and sincerely do that God will show you the way that you should go in all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your steps that is the most utmost um, advice I can give to anyone. My path may be different from yours. I'm not telling anyone to go out and do all the things I do because I'm happy doing all of those. You may not be happy doing that, this, that, and the other, but whatever it is, make sure that you acknowledge him and you hear his voice because his voice will not lead you astray. And I'm talking to a community of faith here, but it mm -hmm not a community of faith prayer does work yes. when you're in a predicament of caring and you're in the care for someone else's life is dependent on you you really need the higher source 
to intervene to give you the inspiration and, and the motivation and the knowledge of next steps. Mm-hmm. Wonderfully said and great advice. My next question is, you've already done so much, but what is next for you, Dr. Dorn? I definitely want to continue to see my um, nonprofit grow. And, you know, what's next? I I really am very content inside. Um, And I really have been asking God that question, what is next? But with where I'm at, I'm just at a point in my life where I'm really happy and satisfied with the accomplishments that I've done. I know I'm just building upon the accomplishments I already have. And who knows, maybe get married. <laughs> but at any rate, um, you know, I pushed all of that away when I was growing up to really concentrate. And I now know why. Mm-hmm. I know the why of it now, because it was a a ministry that had to be birthed to be able to give this much and not forsake the attention that someone else may need. But at the same time, you know, who knows? And so I am just, I definitely want to write more books Mm -hmm. in other areas outside of caregiving and just um, possibly travel the world, you know, with, you know, teaching and writing books as well. So I'm just open to whatever, but I do definitely know that I just want to build upon the foundation that has been laid, that my purpose has been laid to now take it forward so that it can continue to live on even after I'm gone. That is amazing. And I know that with everything that you've done already with your discipline, your focus, and your faith, I know that whatever you do next, you'll be great at it, you know, and I just want to get, create this space to honor you because a lot of times we don't hear about people that are doing all these amazing things in their community, taking care of their family, going um, and getting doctorates and things like that. So I want to honor you. I want to celebrate you for all the things that you do, all the positive things that you do and that you put out in our communities and out into the world. So whatever you do next, I know you're going to be great at it. Thank you, Talia. I I just want to thank you again for all the work that you're doing and giving me flowers while you're living as well. Thank you. To focus on caregivers as well as those who are suffering with cancer and others and maintain it, it does bring us joy that there is something out there to serve as a support system. And I know you've helped millions and millions to come. I would, on my minister side, I, would I would I be allowed just to say a prayer for all the caregivers out Absolutely. there? Absolutely. Please and, do. Yes. Yes. Because caregivers, they're in our communities. They, they don't get paid much. And then some caregivers, especially family caregivers, have to give up their careers and work. Mm-hmm to care and they have to give up all their benefits and everything, but they do it out of the abundance of their heart and they're sitting, they're there and we, they are our community heroes, but of course they don't get roses and they don't get the flowers that they deserve. But I always, whenever I'm doing a show, I definitely like to pray for the caregivers. Let us pray. Father, we praise you and we thank you, Lord, 
for the caregivers that are out there that are caring for loved ones with all types of illnesses. The doctors have given the patient up, but they still have hope and faith that you, God, will make a way. Now, God, I ask that you would give them strength. Every caregiver that is listening to this broadcast, that you would give them faith and hope that there will be a better tomorrow. God, we actually would touch their purposes in life, whatever purpose you birthed in them. God, bring the resources together so that they may fulfill what you would have. God, touch their health, Lord, even as they give of themselves. God, you said in your word that it is more blessed to give than to receive. But God, help us to use wisdom as we do that. And we thank you, Lord, for Talia and her show. Continue to bless it, to bless the nation around the world that others may be blessed. Continue to send the support via finances as well as spiritual, as well as holistic means so that it can sustain itself throughout this next year and next decades. We thank you in advance for what you're doing and what you're going to do. We ask this in your son, Jesus, amen, amen. Amen. Thank you so much for that. And I receive it. Thank you. And I hope that all the caregivers out there receive it as well. Before we end, Dr. Glenn, if people want to get in touch with you, if they um, want to learn more about you, your book, your your organizations, where can they find you? Yes. Um, you can go to my nonprofit organization's website, www.the3tierfoundation at gmail.com, or you can go to my website, www.oginspiration.com, or you can go to www.ogcaregiving.com to find me. If you type Odell Glenn Jr. in Facebook, you I'm an easy find. And I also have Odell Glenn Jr. Ministries on Facebook as well. So please contact me via any one of those sources. Um, and then we can go further as well. Thank you so much for sharing that. I will also include that in the listen notes as well for the audience. And Dr. Glenn, I just want to thank you again so much for your time. I know that you're a busy man. Thank you for sharing your story, your experience, and your wisdom, and also for showering us with prayer. Um, we can never get enough of that. So thank you so much. You're welcome. You're welcome. And thank you so much again for having me on the show. I had an awesome time. And I know many will be blessed. Thank you. God bless you. You're welcome. And um, before we end today, I'd like to give a shout out to the listeners. Thank you so much for joining us. That is it for this Wednesday. And until next time, let's keep navigating cancer together. Take care. Thanks for listening to this episode of Navigating Cancer Together. I hope you enjoyed it. Please be sure to subscribe. And if you appreciate the show, drop a positive rating and review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. For notes from the show, visit ontheotherside.life and check out the podcast section. After you check out the show notes, head over to my gift shop and show yourself or someone special in your life some love with gifts of encouragement, hope, and positive affirmations. I would love it if you joined us for the next episode. 
talk to you soon.